Hello and welcome Hello. back to What She Watching. Hello. Hi, I'm Shelly. <laughs> I'm Andra. <laughs> we're so glad you have joined us again. Um, yes. We're really excited for this week's picks mm -hmm. and we're excited to get discussing. We are. It's our third episode, Shelly. Can you believe it? I can't. I'm really excited that we're here. And that we're going to keep doing this and mm -hmm. talking about our favorite flicks and TV shows. And I think we've got really good picks this week. I think so, too. This is like has brought up a lot, a lot of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Both of these movies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just a lot. Just a lot. And a lot of, um, you know, nostalgia mm -hmm. and just just really throwing it back and bringing things up that are. They're great discussion yes. topics. So I think so. We're we're really looking forward to talking about these. Yes, we are. So this week we're going to start with Shelly, right? Yeah, um, we're going to kind of flip flop week? every week. Yeah. So I think I'm going this week mm -hmm. uh, first, and my topic is going to be Moulin Rouge. And Andrew, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? I will be talking about Girl Interrupted. Oh, two just heavy hitters. Great. Yeah. Great movies with very fabulous casts. Oh, I mean, when we're talking about late nineties, early two thousand cast and mm -hmm. who was mm -hmm. who was popular at the time, I mean, these these people were it. They were really it. And I feel like at this point in time in movie making and in Hollywood, there were a lot of changes going on that there were a lot of risks being taken mm -hmm. and I feel like they really paid off. I think for so these too. filmmakers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Totally. I mean, Moulin Rouge, I mean, you can start talking about it, but I think there was a long drought of no musicals. And there was. That's one thing I was going to talk about. I'm glad you said that because um, Andrea sent me a an article um, from Letterboxd. And if you, if you don't Letterboxd. subscribe to Letterboxd, you really should. It's you like should. the Pinterest for movie nerds. That's right. And... <laughs> it's so great. And there was an <laughs> there was an article um written um on Letterboxd called Spectacular Spectacular and it's about Moulin Rouge at 20. So this mm -hmm. one was written in 2021 obviously, but so such good insight and and so amazing. Um just really talking about how um you know, it, Baz Luhrmann and Craig Pierce were the writers and Baz Luhrmann was the director of this movie. They've done several movies together. Um, some some movies you may have heard of, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. Um, you had that Leo poster version. on your wall. <laughs> I had that poster on my wall. Yep. Leo looking through that fish tank. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yep. They did Romeo and Juliet together. They did The Great Gatsby with Leo mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. um, they did Elvis recently. If you yes. haven't seen it, you should. And um, they did a really cool movie called Strictly Ballroom. Mm -hmm. And that was a pretty um, – it was pretty centric to Australian audiences, but that was the first in um, Buzz Lerman's Red Curtain series. Mm -hmm. And it was a trilogy. There was Strictly Ballroom, there was Romeo and Juliet, and then Moulin Rouge mm -hmm. kind of closed out that series. And um, they were fabulous writers and mm -hmm. fabulous directors. They still are. And um, they were kind of, kind of discouraged at the time to make a musical because there had been a drought in the nineties. There'd been all these really good kind of Oscar worthy dramatic contenders. Mm -hmm. And, 
he came out and said, you know, I want to make a musical. And people were like, "Um, good luck, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's that's pretty risky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Musicals, like, for for whatever reason nowadays and even back then, um, just seems to be like, you can't make a musical. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, and thinking back to old Hollywood, Mm -hmm. how many of those movies were musicals and were just absolutely amazing. And, you know, he just wanted to bring that back, that feeling back of sitting in a musical and really relating to the songs. Mm -hmm. And I think they did that very, very well in this film. A jukebox musical, right, if you will? A jukebox musical. That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. Um, So I'm just going to kind of go in into this really quickly and give a brief synopsis. Mm -hmm. Um, So this, this movie takes place in um, simultaneously. It takes place between 1899 and 1900, the turn of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. We find ourselves in um, France at um, the Moulin Rouge, which was an actual place, by the way. Um, I like that pronunciation of it, Shelley. Moulin Rouge. That's about the only French I know and the words to (laughs) the song accompanying this film. <laughs> yeah. I've got a very good friend who's French and he's just shaking his head right now. So, yes. um, but it, it takes place then and they, they really wanted to draw some parallels between the Moulin Rouge and Andy Warhol's factory um, mm-hmm. where you had this, and it's not just the Moulin Rouge, but it was the whole um, neighborhood in that area of just bohemian artists mm-hmm. and musicians. And that's where our, our story is set. So um, we see this, this young writer, Ewan McGregor. Hello, Ewan. And <laughs> he's, he's just my all time favorite. And yep. he comes to France during the turn of the century. We've got um, the Bohemian revolution is in full swing. Um, he meets, <laughs> He meets Toulouse Lautrec, yeah. which is Based also a, a real guy. a real person. Yes, yeah. and John Leguizamo plays Toulouse. It, it, he does it perfectly, yes, perfectly. He, perfectly. Um, he meets Toulouse and this band of misfit artists um, after an Argentinian falls through his ceiling mm-hmm. when he's writing one day, and they they convince him to write this musical because he he belts out the song, which. Can I just take a moment and say Ewan's singing voice is stellar. It is just stellar. Great. Just great amazing. Word. He's got a great singing voice. And he who does. knew at the time, right? At I didn't time, know. Who knew? I didn't know. I'd seen no, train spotting. Nobody knew. I was obsessed with him for yes. all these kind of indie roles that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked with Danny Boyle a lot. Mm-hmm. But he <laughs> he comes out and he starts singing and everybody's like, oh, sorry, what? <laughs> and this is the guy that's going to play Obi-Wan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Just amazing. So he he gets he gets a uh, kind of roped into writing a script for this new play um mm-hmm. that is coming out. And he he goes to the Moulin Rouge, which is a very large nightclub um bordello, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's very popular. There's a lot of um, wealthy elite that come mm-hmm. to mix and mingle with the young and the sexy right. and just really, you know, experience their bohemian tastes. Party um, Exactly. They go to party it up. And um, he gets kind of convinced to 
to talk to Satine, who is the head lady, the beautiful, you know, sparkling diamond of the Moulin Rouge. She's mm-hmm. the star. And um, Toulouse kind of um, <laughs> works out this deal where he's going to meet her in the elephant after the show. And the elephant, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like the the presidential suite of the Moulin mm-hmm. Rouge. Mm-hmm. The, the big and fancy go there and they go there to um, have good times. And <laughs> he... <laughs> good times. To, yeah, good times. And mm-hmm. Toulouse uh, Lautrec convinces him to... Um, he kind of it's kind of a case of mistaken identity mm-hmm. because he wants him to meet her as the new writer for the show so she will sign on and and approve it and at the same time we meet Jim Broadbent who is Harold Ziegler the owner of the Moulin Rouge and yes. just what a perfect person to play this part he is absolutely fantastic <laughs> he is and bigger than life and he has also convinced another man uh mm-hmm. the duke um played by richard roxburgh who's mm-hmm. another amazing australian actress actor excuse me <laughs> richard roxburgh he's the duke and he convinces him to meet satine after the play and um or after the show satine is there. played by nicole kidman and satine is played by the ineffable the one uh, nicole kidman who also can sing like amazing oh. just I, I do need to mention that everybody in this sang their own, sang their own songs. Yeah, and it was them. That's singing. just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's and it's amazing. Yeah, and um, so you know, Ziegler <clears throat> meets up with the Duke, and he's like, "I really, we want your investment to help turn our Moulin Rouge, which is currently a bordello, a brothel, what have you, into a theater, because they want to legitimize themselves and they want to be a theater where." Satine can become a real actress. A real actress. A real actress. And so simultaneously, while Satine is meeting Christian, our Ewan McGregor fellow, um, (laughs) she's also um, kind of being ripped into meeting the Duke. So she thinks when she meets Christian, she's meeting the Duke. He's not really. It leads to laughs. Yada, yada. They meet up in the elephant. They kind of figure out through happenstance that he's not a duke no he is a writer a penniless writer yeah and then the duke comes in yada 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 it kind of spins off and of course they fall in love with each other um of course they because do. he is he's in, he's persistent mm-hmm. and he's also like you know you're beautiful you i can write the show for you and and you're just amazing and he sings elton john to her and if you sing elton john to somebody i mean you're in he sings your um, song your song one of the Just best songs of all time. One of the best songs of all time. And I love I love Elton John. <laughs> yes. But man, do I love you and Ewan. seeing that song. Ewan's version of it is pretty top notch. It's pretty great. It's pretty up um, there. It just is. And it is. I mean, obviously he wins her over because he, <laughs> yes. And so we have this whole thing going on where they start the secret romance under the Duke's nose, but she has to convince the Duke that she is in love with him so that he mm-hmm. will finance the Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, there's tragedy, there's drama, there is, you know, romance, amazing music. There's romance, there's laughs. And, um, you know, eventually 
they they create this play where there's this it's set in India mm-hmm. and um I'll talk about that in a minute but it's set in mm-hmm. India and there <laughs> there's this young courtesan and she mm-hmm. falls in love with a penniless sitar player yeah. who obviously is is our is our Ewan McGregor role mm-hmm. Christian and then um she has to convince the evil maharaja aka the duke that she's in love with him so he will finance yada 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 at the end we find out not only does she really love Christian and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to basically sell herself to the duke for the moulin rouge but she also is is dying of consumption which is tuberculosis and yes. it's just you've got everything here you've got you've got tragedy you've got comedy you've got music you've got it all you do and um it is yeah <laughs> it's one of the saddest endings but also mm. it's so so good the way it ends because you see that art wins out love wins out it, mm-hmm. it, and it's this whole trope the whole movie of beauty freedom truth and love and yep. um it's it's just fantastic so it is that's kind of a brief overview shelly i could have picked this movie as well and you mm-hmm. and i so i remember this when mm-hmm. this movie came out it was 2001 and mm-hmm. i was back from the summer for my first year in college and you were still home and we yes. went to see this movie a lot and i don't know how many times but at least i was like i think we went we watched it all summer all summer we watched it all summer because movies stayed in theaters for a long (laughs) time movies did stay in theaters because we didn't have streaming so if you wanted to see it you had to go get it you had to go pay for it yep yep we got soundtracked and we wore the soundtrack out and we we did i mean we were obsessed with this movie and this movie meant a lot to us um, in this time in our life it did absolutely it did it was so good and um just the if you are a excuse me if you're a movie lover mm-hmm. and a music lover like we are yes it just kind of marries the two together it does and i had never watched up until that point a a piece of work that incorporated popular works of songs like songs that everybody knew already mm-hmm. and incorporated it in a new way like to tell the story of this movie they incorporated mm-hmm. pop songs that we all knew in and such a, in a fresh phenomenal way. way fresh way and just seamless because yeah, seamless you you hear the songs and you're like, it fits just perfectly it te- it it like fit the narrative of the story like these mm-hmm. songs told the story as we watched mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. absolutely and like I said, to to do a musical at this point in time is 2001. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we'd had a lot of just really heavy drama mm-hmm. movies. And this was something that was, yes, it was drama. It was heavy. But it was also really fun yes. and a delight for the eyes. And that's something oh, I love yeah. about Boz Lerman. He mm-hmm. is a visually artistic director. Everything he does as pops of color, your mm-hmm. eyes are moving the way the camera angles are. He he uses he speeds up his film so you're you're in one spot, then you're in the next. You don't know what's going on, but it's so entertaining. It is. And I think when this movie came out, I remember telling people, like some people would be like, I did not like this movie. Mm-hmm. And I would ask people, 
I would ask them, like, did you like give it a chance? And I remember telling people, like, just give it 15 minutes. The first mm-hmm. 15 minutes mm-hmm. are so just in your face. It's like edit They're after edit busy. after edit. It's very busy. Yes. Give it 15 minutes to kind of adjust your mindset. Mm-hmm. And then it just it just cooks and sizzles. It, yeah. it does sizzle. And the story is unbelievably good. And I want to talk a little bit about the story. I'm going to go a little <clears throat> okay. super nerd on us, okay. inception level deep here. <laughs> so <laughs> this movie, it, it, it just kind of is a nod to how phenomenal Craig Pierce and Baz Luhrmann are as writers. Mm-hmm. They've they've written all the, these movies together. And like I said, at the time, they were kind of discouraged from doing a musical because it wasn't really the thing. Mm-hmm. And they are they're very artistically inclined mm-hmm. and so <laughs> i'm going to read a little a little um quote from Boz Lerman here on, on his inspiration for this movie he mm-hmm. had been in india and he was researching a midsummer's night dream mm-hmm. midsummer night's dream excuse me and he said we went to this huge ice cream picture palace to see a bollywood movie Here we are with 2,000 Indians watching a film in Hindi, and there was the lowest possible comedy, and then the incredible drama and tragedy, and then breakout in songs. And it was a three and a half hour show. Mm -hmm. We thought we had suddenly learned Hindi because we understood everything. We thought it was incredible how involved the audience were, how uncool they were. Their coolness had been ripped aside, and how they were untied in the singular sharing of the story. The thrill of thinking, could we ever do that in the West? Could we ever get past that cerebral cool and perceived cool? It required a lot of this idea of comic tragedy. Mm -hmm. Could you make those switches? Fine in Shakespeare, low comedy, then you die in five minutes. In Moulin Rouge, we went further. A recognizable story through the Orphean in shape is derived from Camille, La Boheme, whether you know these texts or not, you recognize those patterns and character types. So that was kind of the, you know, we see this this kind of Indian Bollywood type show go mm-hmm. on with just the unbelievable color and visual elements. And then he is tying in the story. <laughs> and um, what I wanted to say was this: the story is kind of amalgamation of like, three different operettas um there's you know la Boheme, and there is alexander dumas's film or i'm sorry alexander dumas's novelette uh mm-hmm. la um, i'm not <laughs> french so forgive me yes. la dame a camélia camélia i don't know i'm sorry it which involves good. terminal is illness and then mm-hmm. there's the plot line of the writer who travels to the underworld, which is very Orphean tragedy with Orpheus mm-hmm. and Eurydice. Right. And so he took a lot of, of Orpheus and then he took a lot from uh, La Traviata. And La Traviata was written by Alexander Dumas. And then Alexander Dumas actually adapted the old novel to a play, wow. to an opera. Wow. So it's like he took his own play, made it into an opera which was composed by Giuseppe Verdi, by the way. Wow. And then, so he takes pieces of La Traviata, he takes pieces from La Boheme, even like, um, oh, which one is it? I'm sorry. Hmm. Um, he takes pieces from like modern uh, musicals mm-hmm. um, 
I'm trying to think of the one anyway. He 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 just kind of picks in pieces and mm-hmm. really meshes this together into one great tragedy comedy, and it works flawlessly, if you ask me. Um, and I just, it's so good. It's so good. Well, cabaret, the, cabaret, cabaret. That's what I was okay. thinking. Yep, cabaret. You know, he incorp. I mean, it's pretty obvious. He also incorporated just the music from Sound of Music because that's the first song mm-hmm. that Ewan sings. Mm-hmm. Um, in that first scene, he sings "The Hills Are Alive" with the Sound of Music. Just amazing. Just, just amazing. amazing to incorporate all of that into a concise movie that's like two hours long, and he can incorporate all those pieces with the pop mm-hmm. music to tell the story. Mm-hmm. With with popular music that we've heard since you know the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, like it's just yeah. so good, and the way the way he makes each song fit the situation. I just want to read really quickly the elephant medley. Oh, if you have seen the movie, first of all, it, the opening scene is amazing because yes. you've got you're in this Moulin Rouge. You've got um, just amazing music. You've got Material Girl. Mm-hmm. You've got Gentlemen prefer blondes yep. with a diamond's girl best Nicole friend. Nicole singing all that stuff. Nicole is singing it, amazing. Then you've got <laughs> here we are now, entertain it. You've got Nirvana. Nirvana with Madonna. And Nirvana, just a little quick aside, they were allowed to use that Nirvana song because Courtney Love was allowed to audition for the part of Satine. Oh, interesting. I did yes. not know that. Yes. Interesting. So she was allowed, they were allowed to use that because mm-hmm. of that. Otherwise, you wow. know, she's very protective of Nirvana's music. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> not going there. But I just want to read like the elephant medley really quickly. Mm-hmm. It contains parts of these songs okay um all you need is love by the beatles i was made for loving you by kiss mm-hmm. one more night by phil collins pride in the name of love by you too don't leave me this way by thelma houston <laughs> silly love songs by paul mccartney up where we belong by joe crocker and jennifer warns heroes by david bowie oh my god david bowie i will always love you by dolly parton and your song by elton john I that's mean, all in one song that's one song that he combined all those iconic memorable Pieces that live inside of all of us into one song. It's Flawlessly. incredible. And if you I don't re- sing along uh, with that, I don't know what's gosh. wrong with you. I remember watching this for the first time. And when that song came on, I was just, I don't know. I would, my mind was blown. I remember sitting in the theater like, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. Like I couldn't process. It was so wonderful. That my I nerd brain exploded. It, it was did. like, there are so many allusions to different songs here and they are fantastic and i knew all the songs thank you dad for raising me on like thank you my dad too yes and um, artists like that Mm -hmm. i mean it 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 just i was all in like i was just like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my entire life like this is the greatest thing and just the allusions to these these um you know these artists throughout the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. they call the dancers at the can, can- at the can-, can at the Moulin Rouge mm-hmm. the Diamond Dogs, which is an allusion to David Bowie. There you go. You know, yep. It just it, fantastic, fantastic. So I just want to really quickly go into a few. I know I've shared some, mm-hmm. but just a few little tidbits about the film. Um, we know Toulouse Lautrec is as a main character in here. Um, mm-hmm. as he was. 
hanging out Moulin Rouge in that in that kind of neighborhood um, at the time. And you see a lot of images portrayed on the film. You see like this creepy clown. You see, you know, men in tuxedos with tutus. These are all images from Latrex paintings. Right. And the way they paid homage was great. That's because another thing they incorporated. Yeah. That's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. And um, I uh, another thing I want to say, um, because I think it's really funny – um, she, um, Satine, Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. when she was, when she was filming, she got injured yes. and, yep. um, I remember she that. was in a wheelchair for like six months. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these scenes where you see her from the waist up, um, when she's changing, you know, saying, I'm a real actress like that. She was in a wheelchair and she was supposed yeah. to, she was supposed to start in panic room, which <gasps> our friend Jodie Foster starred in, but since she was injured, she could not be in that movie. I, Shelly, you're blowing my mind here. I did not know that. Yes. Panic Room yes. is one of my favorite movies, by the way. I could have done movie. that movie too. Well, it's Kristen Stewart and Jodie Foster. Yes. Hello, lesbian. Icons. And Jared Leto. Was Jared Leto in that one? Yes. And Jared Leto's in Girl Interrupted. He sure is. <laughs> and boy, was I excited to see that. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. It's like a 90s who, who, who's who. Yes. But like, seriously. Another illusion I would like to make, if you've seen Romeo and Juliet, yes. which if you haven't, what, please go, please go watch it immediately. Go. Do the it. best adaptation, in my opinion. But I think so. you see in Christian's in Christian's um, house, you see this uh, Lamour uh, billboard ad on mm-hmm. the roof. That is also um, the same billboard ad that is on the beach in mm. Moulin Rouge. Okay. So if you look and if you look, mm-hmm. you can see little nods to other other Lerman pieces there. Nice. Yes. And um one last thing about Latruck. Mm-hmm. Um when he when Christian is rejected um toward the end and, and Toulouse is talking to him and he's saying, um, you know, everything's gonna be okay, blah, blah, blah. Those are are actual quotes taken from some of Toulouse Latruck's um, letters. Wow. So they really, they really try to keep this authentic. And I mm-hmm. just can't imagine the amount of work that went into writing this movie. I can't either. I mean, just incorporating everything that you've talked about again into a concise two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the story structure is pretty. You know, it's kind of nothing. I mean, it's something that. We've seen before. It's a basic story structure. It is a basic story structure, but to in, again to incorporate everything that you've talked about into the to the movie, um, is incredible. Absolutely, they could they could Absolutely. never make this movie now. I'm sorry, but they would never no. dare to, and they couldn't, and they wouldn't, because movies back in the day were better. But I just feel I like that it. was a good time to really put something different and new out there and they took a big risk they did and it paid off um (sighs) just really quickly i want to go over how much it paid off they were nominated for this movie was nominated for eight academy awards incredible eight at one two Mm -hmm. the word the awards it was nominated for were um best art direction set direction um i'm sorry art direction set decoration 
best costume design, uh, best picture, best actress in a leading role, best cinematography, best film editing, best makeup, and best sound. Now it won best art direction, set decoration, and okay. best costume design. I yeah. do have to say Ewan was totally snubbed. snubbed. He did Ewan not get snubbed. Mm-mm. He was snubbed. And he yep. did a fantastic job. He should have been nominated. He should have 100% been nominated. I think this was the year that Halle Berry won um, against yes. Nicole Kidman for Monsters Ball. Yes. And that was pretty historic that Halle Berry won because I think mm-hmm. she may have been the first um, African-American actress to win. Um Best actress, and I remember watching that Oscars. I think she um, may have been the second. Second, well, I know that maybe in a leading role because leading I think role, there was one yep. in supporting role back in like, like Gone with the Wind, Hattie yes. McDaniel. But she Hattie McDaniel, but that was supporting. Yep. yep. But leading role, Halle yeah. Berry. Yep. Yeah. So it was a anyway, very sorry. big year. Yep. That was no, a, was, that was pretty historic. It was historic, and. I also want to mention really quickly, Boz Lerman, Craig Pierce, they're Australian. So they had a heavy Australian influence in this film. If you look at Nicole Kidman, obviously, um, Richard Roxburgh, who plays the Duke, he's Mm -hmm. Australian. And it was funny because Catherine Zeta-Jones and Heath Ledger were contenders to play Satine and Christian. And Heath Ledger did not win. And he was a little bit bitter. And refused to work with with Boz Lerman for the rest of his year. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So I was like, ooh, but you're not you. So it, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was, that was interesting. And also um, this film uh, premiered at a very mm-hmm. small town in Australia mm-hmm. called Terry, which is 200 miles north of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And Boslerman grew up there. And there were oh. only 250 people How that cool. attended that premiere. Uh-huh. And the tickets were sold at a local pharmacy. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I just thought that was funny. That's awesome. Just a cool little tidbit for you. But yes. I I mean I could go on with all the all the tidbits, but it's it's so good. Um so Shelly. Yes. Do you remember? I mean, I've kind of talked about this, but do you remember going to see it for the first time? I do. I yes. do. I don't know if I saw it with you or if I saw it with different people i just remember going and seeing it and thinking i need to see it again the next yeah. showing and then you may have gone to see it with other another group mm-hmm. and then possibly you and i just were like <laughs> we probably got together and we're like did you see moulin rouge how obsessed mm-hmm. are you with it let's go mm-hmm. again let's go absolutely that's, that's that's what happened i just know mm-hmm. that was the summer of my that was my senior year. So it yes. was the summer before I went to college. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were in that theater all yeah. summer all watching summer this movie. And, yes. and when we were in the car, we were listening to the CD. Yes, we were. And you know what? I don't think, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the majority of our friends at the time just didn't get this movie. They did not get and it. And you and I got it. And that's why we were equally obsessed with it. It was not well, like a main sh- – It. I felt like at the time it was like you, people either loved it or they hated it. It, it was, was very, very polarizing divisive. because yeah. it was different and it's very yes. artistic. Mm-hmm. And if you love filmmaking and if you love kind of, you know, art house things, like this is up your alley. Because it's mm-hmm. – and I, I showed it to my cousin this weekend and she was like <laughs> – I don't get it. Why is the moon singing? <laughs> why Why are they singing songs? It, she just did not 
was not her thing. And that's something, you know, you either love it or you don't. But yeah. it's the I just the don't piece think that film it is. It's just so amazing. I think it after this movie came out, of course, like we're not going to get into the whole political thing, but you know, 9/11 happened after. Mm-hmm. Um, but musicals started happening again. Like we got like Chicago, we got mm-hmm. Rent, we mm-hmm. got um, well, Chicago came out like the next year. Yes. And, and we I, were obsessed with that one. We were. And then like Glee happens later on. Mm-hmm. And Glee is a total Glee incorporated pop songs and redid them in the show. Mm-hmm. And Glee was such a big deal. But Moulin yes. Rouge did this before Glee came out. Well, and I feel like it was, it kind of ushered in that era of mm-hmm. it's okay to do musicals again and it make is. them cool yeah. because you have these people that were really amazing actors. You've got Nicole Kidman who has been in so many things and has, she's just top notch. I I think Nicole Kidman is one of our greatest of our generation Mm -hmm. actresses, because I think Mm -hmm. she's one of those that disappears and she's so different every role that she does. And somehow I, yet I think that people discount her still, or they don't give her Mm -hmm. the credit that she has deserved. Um, about what talent she has. I, well, she, I mean, for a long time, I feel like it's because she was seen as a very pretty woman, yes. and she is. Mm-hmm. She is. She is very glamorous. Yeah. She is also so. She has such depth, and she, she can control her emotions and her character so well. And it's it's funny because this was the time when she and Tom Cruise were going through their divorce. Yeah. yeah. And. Boz Lerman was going like the first day of filming, his dad died. Mm. So it was like there were a lot of heavy emotions with the set, but they really put it in the work and yeah. they channeled that energy so, so well. So, so well. I watched, um, do you watch the Actors on Actors series? Like, I, think I do. It's a variety. Well, it's you and, and, and Nicole did one. Five years ago, I think. So they reunited and they they talked briefly about I would their love time. To hang out with them. I know, me too. They talked a little bit about their time on the set, and or they said that they said that they would have they had like a a two week pretty much boot camp, and then after that two week boot camp, they went to like a six month um, training pretty much together, and mm-hmm. everybody got very close. Mm-hmm. Um, on the set and then they incorporated absent the drink mm-hmm. because you know that's very much in the movie and the so they talked absinthe, about not the american absence yes okay yes so they talked there's, about there's a clarification there <laughs> there is there's a difference mm-hmm. um that every friday night after all the work that they did through that week friday night they would have just like parties together the cast would just kind of party together and it would be like like it was in the movie you know just kind of bohemian party artist artists. this artist gathering yes and how wonderful it was and that everybody got close um on the I set think that's and what then, you have to do if you're going to be mm-hmm. in a role like this where you're really selling part of your soul to the audience mm-hmm. which they did they did you've got to know who you're working with and mm-hmm. There's so much of that feeling that comes across on screen. Um, yeah. because and Nicole there freaking hel- broke her her she, knee, right? Filming she broke the her knee and she filming, broke her rib. Yes. Filming that Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. She like, fell off the swing, right? She fell off the swing. 
Yeah. I mean, you're giving yourself to like again, artists, hard work. actors are incredible. This is why I love them. And I <clears throat> just a quick little thing. Mm-hmm. Whenever I used to watch the DVD, which I did mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. there's always specials and there's a lot to be said for streaming, but there's a lot to be said for DVDs. And I, love, yeah. I would love watching the DVDs and the behind the scenes. And there was this moment where Ewan was having his birthday mm-hmm. and they were they were filming and it's kind of like they're in the middle of a scene and then Boz yelled, cut, I think. I, I need to watch the video again. Mm-hmm. But there's these Scottish um, bagpipe player and all these drummers came in kilts and started singing happy birthday to him (laughs) and it was just the coolest Mm -hmm. thing you could just see everybody was like really into it and he was totally shocked wow it's it's like they're a family you know Mm -hmm. and they wanted to celebrate this in a big way and what a cool way to celebrate your birthday than have like these bagpipe players like people from your homeland you know (laughs) so i thought that was pretty neat that's special Mm -hmm. that's very special all right, Shelley, what is your favorite scene in this whole movie? Most impactful, mm. favorite, maybe favorite musical number. My favorite musical number is absolutely the Elephant Medley. You can't beat it. My second favorite might be, you know, when they're in the elephant and he sings your song. Yeah. Third favorite, come what may. Yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, the, the Elephant Medley, it just... They, you see that they're, she's giving, she's letting down her guard. She's like, you mm-hmm. can't, I am, I'm the mistress. I, you, you have to pay a fee if you want to be. And he's yeah. like, no, come on. I love yeah. you. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. You'll drink all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's so perfect. It's and perfect. You see this kind of play back and forth of she really wants to let her guard down with him. Mm-hmm. And he he's like, come on, come on. And she's like, I can't. You know, it's I'm going against everything I know. And yeah. the the music is so perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah. I think rewatching this movie, I, at the time, I did not like appreciate how much the Satine's character, the pressure that she was under because mm-hmm. pretty much – she needed to save the Moulin Rouge and she had mm-hmm. to save the Moulin Rouge and everybody that worked there. Well, she had to give up the, herself completely. She had to. And so she, she had the pressure of, um, with what's his name, you know, Ziedler, the Duke, the Duke, the Duke. And then Christian, she was kind of put in the middle between everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and she was sick at the same time mm-hmm. trying to survive and her not, illness. And, and being lied to. And being lied yes, to. I think that's being important. Lied to. Because yep. it, it, this is a time when you don't tell women exactly what's going on. Right. Especially if she's your star and she's going mm-hmm. to save your 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 show. And, what, and yep. you see that kind of with, with her and Harold in the in the dressing room when she's about to leave with Christian. And he's mm-hmm. like, you can't go. You're dying. Yeah, You're dying. Yeah. What kind of insurmountable pressure would that be on a person (laughs) exactly and you know what she did it she did it beautifully she -hmm. fell in love she found her love um before she died tragically Mm. um but she had to do a lot she did and i um i i don't even think christian fully understood everything that she had to manage and deal with in this movie no in the story And I think that was an important thing to see, too, because we think, oh, she's a, she's, you know, she sells herself. That's her job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all she is. 
And I think it was important when she kind of talked to him, she's like, you know, I would like to eat. This is how I eat. And really kind of not, you know, saying, oh, I'm just a... I'm just a person in a brothel that it's my job to sell my body. Right. There was a reason for it. And mm-hmm. the, just all the scenes with her, you know, trying to save it, just the pressure with the Duke, like Ugh, the you Duke. see that and you see, and Richard Roxborough, he's a great actor. Like you hate yes. him in this movie. Hate him. He gets he's progressively so worse. Progressively oh, worse. You see as that. As the movie goes on. You see that entitlement and that Weasley little, this is mm-hmm. mine, you are my property yeah. type thing. And really confusing that love is ownership. And, yes. and then you see the opposite in Christian. And mm-hmm. it's so well played. I know. I know. What was your favorite scene? Oh, my gosh. There's so many, too. Um, I think I say that every time you ask me this, that's my response. Oh, my gosh. There's so many. I know. Okay, so I love, and this little scene cracks me up so much, is when she is trying, at the beginning of the movie, she's trying to convince, like, Christian was caught. The Duke comes in. The Duke comes in. (laughs) It's all the whole mistake. Yes, spectacular, spectacular. But I love the moment that she rolls around in, like, the the rug on the the (laughs) ground. (laughs) Give me dirty words. That's what I want. I believe I read that that was completely imp- improvised by Nicole mm. Goodman. Um, that she just kind of went with that. Went crazy with a smoldering temptress. Hilarious. Yes. She yeah. is. What a, her craft is so good. She's so she's good. This, you, th- you see her and you're like, oh, well, she's always done like these, mm-hmm. you know, roles where she's the love and she's the wife. And for her to sit and improvise that, that takes some guts. Yeah. You're rolling on it's the floor hilarious. in lingerie <laughs> yes. trying to seduce this person who has no idea what you're doing. <laughs> yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> right. It's so funny. Well, I and just the, the scene after that where they're all singing Spectacular, Spectacular, the, the Duke, he, mm-hmm. it, it, it's so perfect because you're like, these are a bunch of artists getting together, thinking mm-hmm. of stuff off the top of their head. You know they could have done that. You know oh, they yeah. could have. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the best minds. <sighs> That's so good. Um, okay, Sh- Shelley, what did you identify the most with in this movie? What oh. hooked you? Well, you the music was big. The yes. music was big, but really just that pressure of trying to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And it's just loving, like, the love story. Because you're sitting there and you're like, but he loves you. And at at 17, when I first saw this, I did not get it. I'm like, why wouldn't you just go with you? And obviously, he's the clear choice. Mm-hmm. The Duke looks like a rat. <laughs> Come on. But yep. then you watch it later on in life. I've watched it several times over the past 20-something years. Mm-hmm. You, you realize it in different ways. And you're like, okay, she is really holding – she's the glue mm-hmm. holding this whole thing together. Yep. And she is – giving up herself and what she needs and what she wants to save everybody else. And that is hardcore. That's hardcore. You know, the older you get, the more you identify with that, don't you? Exactly. Exactly. Because you're trying, you're trying to help everyone else, but yourself. Mm -hmm. And she really is. And it ultimately it killed her. It killed her. It did. I don't think she would have, 
I don't think she would have gotten so sick had she not been trying to put on the show and really help everybody. And and you see, you see the jealousy on the other actresses, like mm-hmm. the other women there, you know, especially the one with the bangs. Love her. Mm-hmm. She's great. But she's <laughs> like, oh, while he's dallying with the writer. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, sit up, oh. player. Like, come on. Don't be a bee. Like, In that moment, I was like, oh, you didn't. But she did. You didn't just, she did. She did. She did. Mm -hmm. She pretty much gave away the the She totally gave it away. She Mm -hmm. totally gave it away. And just knowing the scene where she walks in and she's singing the scene must go, the show must go on, Mm -hmm. that hits home hard. Because if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, this sucks. Eggs. Yes. I do not want to be in this situation, but I have to do this for everyone else. And you I'm know, sacrificing everything I want. She pretty much literally gave her body, like literally to the mm-hmm. Duke in that scene, mm-hmm. um, abused her. Oh, we kind awful. of imply that he raped her mm-hmm. in that scene. They don't mm-hmm. show it, which I'm glad they they didn't. Go they there. don't. They wanted to maintain their PG thirteen rating, which I guess. Yes. yes. Um, but that, like, in that scene when she walks in, uh, this movie is there's it just looks so beautiful. I love almost every shot in this movie. There's so many shots that are just incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. When she walks in before that, the show must go on. Um, now, am I on the wrong song? Maybe not. Anyway, she walks into the Duke pretty much to do that deal, and it's just black, and she walks in mm-hmm. with that black mm-hmm. gown. Yes. And it's just lit, like very dimly lit on her face. Like that. Well, is and that may have been um, Roxanne, which also- Roxanne, yes. See, I was on the wrong song. Unbelievable. Yes. That scene, the way they, the cinematography, mm-hmm. they, they show her, she's going to her funeral. You can tell she's wearing all black. She's not yep. wearing, you know, the, the, the vivid color. She knows what she's doing mm-hmm. and she's going in there and you see Christian who's just jealous and mm-hmm. he's not getting it. And you're like, Christian, this is not about you. Nope. This is about <laughs> everybody else. The Duke is always wanting and, and just a quick thing. That necklace he gives her mm-hmm. is real diamonds. I thought it was like a stage. Prop. A prop. That mm-hmm. thing was valued over a million dollars. That necklace. But it, you just see like, okay, here's this Duke wanting to give you everything, mm-hmm. but also not everything because he's wanting to give you what he thinks is everything and what he thinks is love. Mm-hmm. When he sits there and says, oh, you've got this Maharaja wanting to give you a lifetime of security. Mm-hmm. That's love. And you're like, yeah. no, that's that's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she's she's playing such a tricky game. Mm-hmm. It breaks my heart for her. I know. And I was on the wrong song, but the, sh- the wrong song in that moment. But, but yes, she sang that one right before it. She did. And, and then the show must so go impactful. On. It is impactful. Queen. The whole I mean, yeah. I'm going to sing Queen. You got me. I know. You got me. I love in that song, too, and the show must go on, where she is on the stage. She's on the stage, and she walks down, and you see the Duke, like, in the mm-hmm. shot um, in front of her. Mm-hmm. And she's she's got that outfit on. She's got kind of like that 
the crown over her head. She's got yes. that slender outfit on. And she walks slowly down. And you just see the both of them in that same shot. I just, I, I love it. She, well, just, love it. It, there's a reason it won for best costume. Because yes, there is. Nicole Kidman is a beautiful woman. She's just Beautiful. like one of those that you would say is stunning. And the yes. way they they did her up in those in those costumes with the headdress the mm-hmm. you know the Indian headdress and the, the the costumes I really like just the way you know her her costumes change throughout. Mm-hmm. Um she's always in something very classy but you know, she you see with Christian, she's always wearing something bright and happy and sunny. And then with the Duke, she's she looks like she's wearing her funeral mm-hmm. shroud. That's and right. just the double meaning with the show must go on. You know, Freddie Mercury wrote that when he had AIDS and mm. was singing that for his last song. And then she's singing that while she's walking in, knowing she's not doing too well. She's selling right. everything yeah. and, and and really giving it on putting it on the line there. So just that yeah. that it's, was so good. So emotional. So emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is the most um, tragic scene of the movie? That sounds like oh. a very completely obvious question. Well, but there's a few. We've mm-hmm. we've already discussed, you know, she was in the with a Duke when he was trying to obviously rape her trigger alert. Sorry. But yeah, sorry. he was. And it, it just that, but <clears throat> The end when mm-hmm. Christian is realizing she's gone, and it, when he sits and cries like that, oh my god, if that doesn't me. incite some feeling in you, then you don't have a heart because it's true. Just holding her, knowing that he loved her so purely, mm-hmm. and he didn't know she was dying, and now she's dead. And they, she had just come back to him and they just, everything was great. And I think it's a really good juxtaposition because you have this backstage pain and sadness going on. And then it pans out and you see the audience just giving a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God, the, <laughs> the absolute tragedy here. Yeah. And, and you you do think of Orpheus and Eurydice mm-hmm. because, you know, had, I can't go and to too big of a nerd thing here but just <laughs> the love you know and and the loss it's so palpable in that moment i think that was probably the most tragic there were many <laughs> tragic scenes but that one and when she tells him beforehand and she's trying to save him i think one of the most hardest scenes to watch is when she tells him she doesn't love him because she's I trying know. to save him. She has she's to. trying not to get him killed. Yep. And she, it's a lie. But mm-hmm. that's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Yeah. Yes, because he was just a romantic idealist artist mm-hmm. that just believed. I mean, it says in the beginning of the movie, you know, he above everything, he believes in love. Yes. Yes. And, and that's I, his that's the his word love mantra. in this movie. A last little tidbit. Sorry. The word love was mentioned so many times. I got to find it here. Um, oh, gosh. Where was it? Hold on. Y'all are so patient with me for finding my place here <laughs> in my notes. But it, it's it's just the overall theme of the movie. 
-hmm. And it was mentioned, I think, 192 times, the word love or a variation thereof. Um, About 192 times because that's that's the theme. And and Christian is, he does love her. He loves her purely and you get his plight. But at the same time, you got to be like, Christian, you've got to see the big picture here. She is trying to save you because Mm -hmm. this guy can actually kill you. (laughs) Yes. And he wanted to kill him. You see both sides. You see both sides. If you've ever been in in love like that, you've seen that kind of, you're like, what could stop you from loving me? I know you love me. And and just the hurt. So that one, that was tragic too. Yeah. It's, I mean, an overall tragic movie, but it's, but I still think it's a beautiful movie about love. And I think it just. um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think this movie ages well? Last question. Yeah. 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 I think this movie ages very well. I don't see Mm -hmm. any trope, any theme, anything that does not pertain to today. And there's nothing in the movie that I think is off putting. Mm -mm. It is about a brothel in (laughs) in the turn of the century France. I don't think you you go into that knowing that. So there were scenes cut because they wanted Mm -hmm. to keep their PG thirteen rating when they were doing um like a virgin that was mm-hmm. that was kind of cut down there was a scene that was supposed to be just the duke and he was going to be singing a different song i can't remember what it is but there were there were some people like dressed in smn m gear <laughs> like really just kind of showing you what the duke and his intentions were yeah. and they they had to cut that but i get it um mm-hmm. i mean it, this movie is still two hours long so yeah they still have a lot of good stuff in there it does I would like I would be interested in watching the R-rated version of this movie actually. I would love to. I think it, and there were some other scenes that they definitely had to cut because mm-hmm. you know I'll tell you about those later but <laughs> it, they really were going into the turn of the century French mm-hmm. um you know bohemian lifestyle where everybody was loving everybody. You know. Yeah. Who, Yes, I do. So, and you know, I think I, I picked up on that watching it. Um, I don't always mean to make this about um, sexuality, but well, this movie um, is based on sexuality, so it is. And it's a I, think, <laughs> I think I completely identified with just people being different mm-hmm. in this movie and being who. Mm-hmm genuinely who they were and expressing mm-hmm. themselves how they wanted to express themselves and watching it even if they were just in the background it was a beautiful thing to watch mm-hmm. and i think in so many ways our movies and culture has gotten so backwards and we've gone backwards so i appreciate this movie even more watching it mm-hmm. in 2023 imagine mm-hmm. that you know i, I just anyway well, they could never make and, this. They would never make this movie now. He well, made Elvis, and Elvis was pretty tame. Elvis. Well, was and Craig tame. Pierce, one of the co-writers, he said, "You're always writing for yourself for the film you want to see." Mm-hmm. I like all different kinds of films, and I think teenage girls do too. So definitely, <laughs> it it reached out to us as teenage girls, but even mm-hmm. as adults, you can see the the intelligence behind this movie yes. and the script and the writing and the levels. Because even him just talking about. Hey, I want the West to be able to see a musical and feel these these themes mm-hmm. that were that were written in the 1600s. I mean, yeah. Alexander Dumas 
come on. Like, this is not new material. This is not new. material that was redone and revamped for current audiences. But it's nothing that is new to what we need to see and what we like. Exactly. And and really, I think the way you said that, you know, making people that don't feel like they belong belong in this movie is the theme of the movie. Yes, it is. You see them go and you see these elitist bourgeois Mm -hmm. Frenchmen when these tuxedos and top hats go in and they're Mm -hmm. there for entertainment and they're there for the entertainment that they can't share with the outside world. Right. And Mm -hmm. had that been mainstream, they wouldn't have had to go to the Moulin Rouge and pay for this. Yeah. Because it's everybody, (sighs) everybody feels that on some level. Yes, they do. Not even, it's just, Everything that's happening in our world right now, especially mm-hmm. toward drag and mm-hmm. drag performances, mm-hmm. drag is mm-hmm. an art form that is nothing new. And this movie brought this back up. How many movies too. have we watched where men have gentlemen? Is it gentlemen? Yes. No, some like it hot. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's drag. It, we can't. Yes, there are so many. You you look at Shakespeare. If mm-hmm. you want to talk about that, how many of the actors dressed in yeah. quote unquote drag to drag. perform Shakespeare? Yeah. There's no crisis <laughs> here. There is no crisis here. It's an art form. Mm-hmm. And if you want to watch a movie where it celebrates it, watch Moulin Rouge. Well, just right? watch it because watch that. It, there are so many reasons to watch this movie. Yes. So many. If you love music, watch this movie. Mm-hmm. If you love me and McGregor. Definitely watch this movie. He's not just Obi Wan. (laughs) If you love, if you love just visually, you know, titillating Mm -hmm. films, this one a film that looks beautiful. And there is nothing. There is no scene in this movie that doesn't make you just make your eyes just go like, wow. None. It's just from beginning to end. I mean, they make goofy little shots. Like, I love every single shot that they, you know, like the gun is flying out of the theater. Perfect. Bounces off the moon. Perfect. Like, you're like, what? Yeah, that's what? cheesy, it, but it's perfect. It's, it's camp. It's cheese. It's beautiful. It's camp. It's cheese, but it fits in with the aesthetic of this amazing, like, amazing film. And amazing it, you see him pick it up and just run and say, my way, my way, my way. <laughs> and there was a scene where the Duke was, I think this is it. He was supposed to be singing My Way by Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. when they ah, were doing. gotcha. Yes. And that's when the SM, S&M gear was supposed mm-hmm. to be. But they they had to cut that out. So they he was screaming My Way at the end. Because he was this, <laughs> yeah. this, this entitled jerk who just wanted everything to be done his way. In Elvis, I think that. He plays. Um, yes, he plays Elvis's dad. Yes, he I is believe. an Elvis. He is an. And Elvis I, I like seeing him in other roles where he's not mm-hmm. a jerk because he's a yeah. great actor. He is a great but, actor, man. And you can tell because he plays such. You hate him in this movie. Mm-hmm. You hate him. Yep. So I could go right. on, but I'm. We really I'm gonna have to stop on. here. Okay. Um, this one is, like you said, you could have done this one, but we, we love this movie and i can't stress enough how much we love this movie and how much of an impact that it made for both of us it made a huge impact really wanting to just go into filmmaking Mm -hmm. this because of this movie yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely for sure andra i i could go on but i just i really Mm want to hear about girl interrupted 
Okay. It came out a few years before Moulin Rouge. Yes, it did. It was in 1999. Let's, 1999. 1999. Let me get my notes up here. It's a big year. 99, if you are a movie fan, you know that that is highly... 99 is considered a movie amongst... The year of movies amongst the year of movies, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of just... I don't know. Classic movies in 99. I mean, it was 99 was a big year. It was a, a movie, movie after movie that we're oh, still yeah. celebrating today. Yeah. Um, so Girl Interrupted very quickly was based on a memoir. So this was a true story based on a memoir by Susanna Kaysen, who if you've watched the movie or if you've read the book, Susanna Kaysen's the main, the main character played by Winona Ryder. Oh, my um, favorite. One of my favorites too. I mean, we'll we'll get into Winona here in a little bit, but um this movie was directed by James Mangold and he is a pretty good director. He has made wait, hold up. Hold up, Shelly. I'm gonna get into the the synopsis of the movie first before yeah, I get yeah. into all okay, the Okay, okay. I'm sorry. We get distracted because we get we so do. excited about these. Let's let's hear a quick synopsis of what happens in Girl Interrupted. All right. Like I said, Girl Interrupted is based on a memoir written by Susanna Kaysen. So she wrote this, or this happened in around 1968 when she was mm-hmm. 18 years old. So the, the movie follows the book. There's some differences, and I can get into that here in a minute. But the movie... Um, we meet Winona Ryder, Susanna Kaysen's character. She's at a party at her parents' house, and we kind mm. of gather that maybe she's had this little fling with a older man at the party. Mm-hmm. They use the use of flashback a lot in this beginning mm-hmm. part of the movie, but um, she's also at the doctor's office. And I know that doctor by that 70s show. He's the dad in that 70s show. Oh, he plays Red. <clears throat> there you go. Yes, the doctor. And so she's. Um, kind of talking to the psychologist about what's going on in her life. It then gets decided. I think she makes a statement that she tried to. Oh, okay. The, again, I'm getting distracted again. Before no, we get no. into this, this whole synopsis here, I just want to do a trigger warning for this movie. Yes. Yes. Um, there's we will, a few heavy trigger warnings. There's some one. very heavy stuff in this story and in this movie. So, you know, if you are affected Mental health issues, suicide, suicide. abuse. Um, it, there's some heavy stuff in this story. And I would say the affair with the older man who was, mm-hmm. I believe, was her teacher, <clears throat> that would be considered abuse. I believe it would be. Yes, there's there's some abuse in this story. Uh-huh. Um, so I want to mention that too. So we're going to talk a little bit about some mental health issues and I will say that we both are not mental health professionals here. No. We are not. No. And we, we don't claim to be. And We, we don't claim we, to be. We do have, we have firsthand knowledge about absolutely. mental health issues? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes. yes. And we I think do. that is a very impactful part of this movie. Because it's oh, so I think relatable. that's why it's uh, extremely relatable and why I latched onto it at in mm-hmm. 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, back to the story. We meet Winona writer Susanna Kaysen at the doctor's office. 
Um, we then find out that pretty much her parents had set this whole thing up in motion for her to go stay at a psychiatric hospital. And they're her wealthy parents, I might add. Very wealthy Very well-to-do family. Very well-to-do. Um, mom's sitting out in the car. She's not even there. Sitting out smoking her cigarette. She's smoking her cigarette. They've got the bag packed already in the taxi cab. They are, I mean, they had the whole thing set up. They They did did not not tell her what was happening. She just needed some rest, and that's what they told her. Like, you're going to go stay at Claymore Psychiatric Hospital for some rest. Everything's ready for you. And what was really the inciting incident that led to this doctor's visit? She had down a bottle of aspirin. Right, chased yes. it with some alcohol. Bottle of vodka. Think. Bottle mm-hmm. of vodka. Um, so she said she had a headache. She had a headache. <laughs> yes, that's what she claims in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. the doctor's like, Susanna, mm-hmm. you downed a bottle of aspirin. A bottle of aspirin. And chased it with a bottle of vodka. Mm-hmm. And she says, I had a headache. <laughs> I had a headache. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a need for a, a stay. Susanna just didn't get it. She didn't get it for a long time. So she goes, they, the, even in the cab on the cab ride over there, the cab driver is saying, I'm dropping you off at Claymore. Um, what's like, you look normal. What's wrong? Yeah. What's your deal? You're not crazy. You look normal. Um, and he tells her, I think too, don't drop, you know, don't, don't, stay here that long. I mean, don't Mm -hmm. make this a habit. I mean, he told her that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how they put her in a cab and pay the fare and she doesn't say anything to her mother. Nothing. Her mother's just out there watching it all. Crying in the car. Crying, yes. Um, So, you know, Susanna gets into the hospital and we start meeting the characters in mm-hmm. in the story. We meet, I'll, I'll read you the cast list here. The cast again, is so amazing. It's stacked. It's stacked. It's a I stacked feel like I'm, I've been choosing like just great ensemble. You have. You have done a great pieces. job. Because these just, people, like I said, they're the who's who of 90s. Yes. It, well, just, if it, but, oh my just God. Just actors in general. I mean, some of these people are still pretty prolific and, and working mm-hmm. still. Winona Ryder is Susanna. She's the lead. So we've got Angelina Jolie. Hello. I'll talk about her a little bit more. She plays uh, Lisa. Yes, this was an awakening for you, I believe. Yes, it was. It's a big it. awakening. Along with most other 90s uh, girls that are my age now, can pretty much pinpoint Girl Interrupted, Angelina Jolie, Winona Ryder as like their awakening. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not alone in this. This is like no. a que- this is not a queer movie per se, but it's viewed as a queer legendary movie. Well, Angelina was just she was such a a force at the time, and people the way they saw her was very different than now because yes. she was so bold, um, extremely bold and different. Yeah, and people and didn't just, know what to do. With her. They didn't know how to act around her. And some of her stuff, I was like, okay, that was a little weird. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's not kiss our brother or carry around a vial of blood. No. But she was wild in for different reasons. Yes, she was. She was openly bisexual, too, at the time. Which blew everybody's mind. Which it, She talked openly about 
I guess I'm gonna go ahead and say, see, I'm getting off. To- I'm getting. I'm off sorry. Track. I'm sorry. I got you off topic. I did it. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll come back to it. We'll come back yes. to it. Okay. Clea Duval, who was also another legendary queer icon. She is gay uh-huh. in real life. She plays Georgina. And she came out she came out after she did a lesbian movie. Yes. Yes, yes. She was uh Susanna Winona Ryder's roommate. So we kind of uh-huh. meet her first. And she's in so many 90s things. She is. And she you never was a like, star. I remember yeah, she's a very good character actor. Yeah, she is. And now she's directing, I don't know if anybody saw Happiest Season, which was a queer holiday movie that starred Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Aubrey Plaza. <gasps> I love like, all three of those people. Have you not watched that movie yet, Shelley? I'm sorry. I will. Okay. I will immediately. You go watch it. Okay. Um, She directed this TV show about Tegan and Sarah, who are also mm. queer icons, uh, called the High great School. Music, great music yep. duo. Go watch that, too. All right. Brittany Murphy. Hello. Here's my second Brittany Murphy movie. Mm. I did Clueless last week. She plays Polly. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi was also big for me, too, back in the 90s. Whoopi like Sister is Act. amazing. Sister Act. Sister Act, Sister Act was all three of those yeah. were my favorites. Favorites. And she yeah. is just an icon. Icon. Can we talk about She is color? not the lady on The View. Whoopi has... A, a prolific acting prolific career. IMDb. She was married to Ted Danson. Okay. <laughs> she was. Can we talk about that? She's hosted Oscar. She's, I th- believe, won an Oscar for supporting. Um, she has just such a career. She's not just the mm-hmm. lady on The View now. Mm-mm. No. Um, Jeffrey Chambor is in this. Vanessa Redgrave. Jared Leto's in this. I mean, just. Yeah. Elizabeth so Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Did I not mention her? Elizabeth Moss. She was Moss. Polly. She was Polly. She's pretty unrecognizable in this role. Yes, she is you because don't. she's, well, she doesn't look anything like she looks today. I think she's probably had her teeth fixed. Yes. But Maybe in the so. role, she does play a girl that's gotten half her face burned. Burned, So yeah. you don't really notice that she, that's Elizabeth Moss. Yes. You don't until like, I think that there's a shot where they show a picture of her in her file. Mm-hmm. pre-burn and you're like mm-hmm. oh that's elizabeth moss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so you start meeting everybody in the in the hospital and you meet lisa lisa comes in with a bang you don't know if people are afraid of her or if they love her because you mm-hmm. find out that lisa escapes a lot she leaves she disappears for weeks on end and she'll come back just in a daze and some people are afraid of her you find out too that um, Georgina, who um, Susanna takes over that spot in that room, but you you find out too that Lisa and that old roommate that Winona uh-huh. Ryder's character is, you know, taking that spot that they were best friends, and you find out that she immediately, ki- yeah, you find out that she killed herself. Uh-huh. Like, and Elizabeth Moss, so. Polly says it very clearly. Oh, yeah, she, she killed does. herself with a volleyball net. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. So you this is a snapshot, I think, of and again, this is a memoir. This is based on the real mm-hmm. Susanna Kaysen's experience when she went in at 18 years old to a mental institute in nineteen in the sixties. So it's a snapshot, I think, of what the mental health system at mm-hmm. the time was like for these women. 
Exactly. And I'm not going to get too far in the weeds about this, but (laughs) at the same time, you had One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which Mm -hmm. also kind of shed light on that. But this is also, this is a different perspective because it's a, it's a female perspective. It's about women. Yeah. Where. Young women too at the time. Young women. And if you are not following the norm, you're hysterical and there is something Mm -hmm. wrong with you and you need to go be put away for a while. Yes. And I feel like there are legitimately people in this movie that were like not well that needed to be in a mental facility. But you mm-hmm. still look at the way medication is used. You mm-hmm. look at the way it, it's it's totally different. Yes, it is. And you don't you don't learn all of the characters, you know, you don't learn their diagnosis per se. But uh-huh. you can kind of like guess, uh-huh. kind of infer about. You learn that Susanna comes in and they diagnose her with borderline personality disorder, which is and hard then you, to diagnose. Yes, and you learn that Lisa Angelina Jolie's character is just um, she's a sociopath, and that's what they just claim that she is. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see it. Yes, and then. Another interesting part of this movie is you start learning the dynamic between Lisa and Daisy, which Daisy was played by um, Brittany Murphy. Um, and there's some just awful stuff between the two. Mm. And you you learn about Daisy and you learn that she was probably been abused by her father. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn that she's got severe purging issues and she does, anorexia yep. and bulimia and just... Mm-hmm. That is how she copes. And really, her saying, it's got an Eden chicken. Yes. Instead of an Eden kitchen. And that whole dynamic is so sad. It's It's so so sad. sad. Um, You you just, like, you follow her her stint pretty much for that 18 months. She's got a boyfriend, Toby, that comes one time that we see him. And he comes to... He comes take her away. Yes. Say, you don't, you know, you don't belong here. You're not like these girls. You're not, you're not like them. You're different. Let's run away. You're not crazy. Let's, let's run away to Canada. He doesn't want to get drafted, first of all. Yeah. So he wants to go AWOL. (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) Because at this time they were drafting for the Vietnam War. Mm. And there was a lot going on in the, in the world at this time, too. I mean, we had like the second wave feminist movement that was happening. Mm -hmm. We had the Mm -hmm. Vietnam War that was happening. Mm -hmm. A lot was happening. And I've, it's very interesting in some of the scenes in the movie that, like the school counselor, there's a flashback where she's talking to Susanna mm-hmm. about, so you have the distinct, you know, honor of being the only person at this high school that is not going on to college. Like, what are you what going are you to gonna do? do with your life? What are you doing with your life? And, and Susanna's just like, I'm going to be a writer. <laughs> and you know how that goes when you tell people you want to be an artist of mm-hmm. any kind, how mm-hmm. you just get laughed at pretty much. That was. But what are you really going to do? What are you going to do to yeah, survive? What, really, what are you going to do? And My dad that, used to that, say, you're going to be waiting yeah. tables. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Like, okay, you better yeah. have a backup plan too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so she tells, she, Susan, she tells Su- Susanna that, you know, women have more options. It's 1960, blah, blah, blah. And uh-huh. Susanna's like, no, they don't. Like, no. really? Who are you kidding? I could There's either no do options. this or I could get married and have babies. Yes. 
Exactly. So you really get to know, and I and I like in this movie that they all kind of have a camaraderie between each other. They start to become mm-hmm. friends. They start getting along. I mean, Lisa's always there just causing trouble. Um, but Lisa and Susanna start having this. Uh, I feel like they had extreme chemistry in this movie. I don't know if they, they did. did that on purpose. They, they um, had a really good friendship that was like, they, they were kind of frenemies. They, they, they were. knew what they needed from each other. Angelina Jolie talked about how she modeled this character kind of after a spider, too. That works. You know, like you were uh-huh. talking about how Anthony Hopkins modeled it after, like, reptile, like uh-huh. Hannibal Lecter. Well, Angelina talked about that she's the spider that just can reel people into her web. Uh-huh. Um, so good. She's, yeah. And that's what she she modeled it after. And she really draws Susanna in. Um, really into, and Susanna starts believing that she's not, cra- you know, she's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Lisa's telling her like everyone out there is the people that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like we have the distinct honor of being the people that can see the truth because mm-hmm. of our diagnosis. Right. You know, we're she's the ones very that good at manipulating. Yeah. She's very good at it. She's, but she can be sweet, but then she can like smack a character for doing something wrong. She, you know? she'll sit there and bully someone and then turn around and paint their toenails and be yes. defensive. And you see that just real, that's kind of lethal mm-hmm. the way she does it. Yes. And so toward the end of the movie, she convinces Susanna, Lisa convinces Susanna to, to escape one night and they escape mm-hmm. and there's like, they share a kiss in the van. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It's like, oh, I thought that boy. was very, that oh, was very like, very, I, not obscene. It was very like, um, edgy for an It was edgy at the time. Yes, it was. Um, they escape, um, Lisa, okay, so Daisy has, at this point, Daisy's character has gone on. She leaves Claymore. She goes and she's told everybody her dad set her up with this apartment. She is moving on with her life. My dad Um, knew I didn't need to be in a halfway house. I deserved mm -hmm. my own apartment. Yep. A lot of that grooming. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So Lisa gets the address to Daisy's place after they escape. Lisa just convinces Susanna to go. Let's go stay one night with Daisy. Let's get some money, and then we're going to go off to Florida. You know, mm-hmm. Lisa talked about how she wanted to be Cinderella at Disneyland. You know, like mm-hmm. at the new park that they were opening in Florida. Exactly. Um, yes. So the the turning point in this movie is awful. I hate I hate the scene. I really mm. do. But it is very triggering. It's very triggering. It's a very tough watch. But Lisa pretty much calls out Daisy in a conversation. And she calls out everything that's going on in Daisy's life. You know, she tells her that you're not fooling anybody. We know that your dad's paying for this. And your dad, she gets into pretty graphic She gets very personal and how yes. her dad is abusing her and how everybody yes. knows it. Yes. And so that, that may have set something off in Daisy. And then the next morning we find her, um, that she has killed herself in the bathroom. And mm-hmm. Susanna, Winona Ryder's character, finds her. 
Um, and Lisa is just unaffected by all of it. She's There's just unaffected. Yes. Mm-hmm. She steals her money from her and she just says, let's go. There's a cat. Like Daisy had a cat. Um, I love how they shot like the cat. The cat, anytime Lisa was around, would hiss at Lisa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just, I think that was you know. very good foreshadowing. <laughs> it was. <laughs> So I think that's a turning point for Susanna. That she um, she's with this person who has no emotions. If Zero you can't be affected that- by your friend that has killed herself, then you yes. have no heart. Yeah, and so Lisa disappears, and Susanna goes back, and it shows her really committing to her recovery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Which through this time, for if you're if you're ever in a in a place where you have mental hardships when you're really in this low place and you've mm-hmm. got a lot going on, you have to make that personal choice to commit. That is something yes. that I'm glad they showed with Me too. Susanna. And I'm glad Susanna Case and the the writer really explained mm-hmm. that. She said, you know, you have to commit. It is a choice because I've seen mm-hmm. people not commit and they stay mm-hmm. It's a it's mind over matter and it is hard work, mm-hmm. but if you commit and you sit there and you really work at it, you can get better. But it's mental, it, it it's it's willpower, and yeah. I love that they they showed her without Lisa, without this force yep. of this um, influence, mm-hmm. rather of just you know really taking control of her own life. And saying, I want to get better. I want to get out of here, no matter yeah. how that looks like. I think it was extremely important that they showed that um, in the in the movie, that mm-hmm. they did that. Um, okay, so after my hour-long explanation of the movie, Shelley, I, I feel like no, I'm no. just getting off topic so much. You are but not. You are doing a great job. <laughs> and I keep okay. interrupting you, so I'm sorry. Thank you. No, we're good. Okay, so as I said... 1999, this movie came out. I feel like we were very lucky in 1999 to get this movie. Mm-hmm. James Mangold directed this movie. He has done some pretty big, significant movies. Recently, there's a movie coming out, that new Indiana Jones movie coming out. He's Say directing what? it. Yes, he's directing it. Is Harrison in that one? He is. Oh and do you know who Phoebe Waller-Bridge is? I do know Playback. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's yes. going to be in it, too. <gasps> she is we have, to do we have to do we a do. flea bag, and we have to do Killing Eve because I'm obsessed with I Killing love Eve Killing too. Eve. I'm obsessed with Jodie Comer, too. Anyway, I love, and uh, Sandra, I love Sandra O. Oh. Me, too. Sandra O. Oh. Okay. And See, I love her character me. because look I feel like I am her character when she's asking her husband, how would you murder somebody and get rid of the body? I know. She like, knows I exactly feel that. how to do it. We got to do Killing that. Eve. Yeah, we do. Okay. Back to, okay, James Mangold has done, like, Walk the Line. That was a big one. <sighs> Ford versus Ferrari. That was pretty recent, too. Ford versus, he did Logan, the Wolverine Logan movie. Like, You're he's done some, some major movies. Logan major. was my favorite of all the X, well, of the modern X-Men. Yeah. I'm not going to go too nerd here, but. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wolverine is my icon. I Mm -hmm. I loved Wolverine. And that movie, Logan, was so amazing. And what a great story for, like, his send-off. It just so good. So good. 
Sorry, but it's better than any Marvel movie out there. I said it. It is Marvel. It is. Yeah. Oh, Logan's wait. Marvel. Wolverine oh, is Marvel. Edit but that I feel out. like the Edit X-Men. That out. No, no, no. I feel like X-Men Marvel and Avengers Marvel are very different things. Okay. I'm talking about the Anyway, but I'm not I don't go think there. that was okay. done by Marvel. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. See All right. He did like some other like 310 to Yuma. That was a big <gasps> one. He did like God, he does. Okay, so he does really good movies. Yes, basically. and I feel like like this is his only movie out of that list that he's like it's a female fronted story mm-hmm. about women. Mm-hmm. And I think he does a great job. So, like I said, it was adapted from a memoir. Winona Ryder actually bought the rights to this book because she identified with the story so much. Like she has talked about this, that if she would have had this book when she was 16 or 17, mm-hmm. um, it may have really maybe changed her, her really helped mm-hmm. her. Um, because she has openly talked about her mental health struggles absolutely, and that she has stayed at, you know, hospitals before. And she, mm-hmm. She's had a couple of those um, times in her life that she did right. did stay at a place like this. Um, so she felt very passionately about the story and she wanted to really get this on the big screen. And she spent about seven years of her life. Like she turned down movie roles. Wow. Um, to just get this movie made. And what and a her, payoff. I know. And she was told so many times people told her that you cannot adapt this story because the memoir is told in a very nonlinear mm-hmm. storytelling way. Like it's right. each chapter is devoted just to a theme slash character mm-hmm. that that Susanna met in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So there's no like structure to the story. So to try to adapt that into a structured movie script, she was told so many times that that was just impossible. You can't do it. Bring it on. And so she worked for seven years of her life to get the right people, the right director to help with the adaptation. Like she, I mean, she legit, this was one of her passion projects. I mean, how many stories, how many movies do we watch that are nonlinear? I mean, that's, (laughs) that's not really like, if you've got a good writer, you can figure that out. Mm hmm. And, and it's and, and done so well. It is done so well. To adapt that into a screenplay um, is just brilliant, I think. I think they mm-hmm. did a, just a great, fantastic job at adapting that from the memoir. Um, so there's some differences in the... I'm not going to get into the big differences in the book, but... There's some differences with the Lisa and the Daisy character, but in the, I mean, Daisy was a character that did kill herself and, and kind of changed Susanna's mm-hmm. projection in her recovery. Um, so, um, anyway, what was I going to say? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's girl interrupted. Well, I think that was a great explanation of it. And it just, for the time, we hadn't really, we'd seen some some movies that really portrayed some mental health issues, but not really in this light. And I think it was really important for others to see that mm-hmm. and see that here's this woman that's not quote unquote crazy, mm-hmm. but 
she struggles with some things that might need extra attention and how many people on this planet are like that. And not to mention the, the mental health system in our, in our country. Mm -hmm. It just is so different. Um, And not as accepted as regular healthcare. I mean, if you break your arm, you're going to go to the ER. If you are having a mental breakdown, what are you going to do? People are going to call you crazy. Mm -hmm. Really showing that you have to take care of yourself in different ways. Yes. And up until this point, I just don't think there was a story on the big screen that dealt with women, young women, Mm -hmm. again, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the ways this movie just was so impactful is I just think women of our age at the time when we were, I don't know, 16, 17 years Mm -hmm. old watching um, this, we identified with this story because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I struggle with mental health issues. Absolutely, Um, me too. And then, gosh, watching this in 1999 and then having life happen and we're sitting here in 2023, Mm -hmm. how much more identifiable this story is. Absolutely. Well, and you you, you see different things and different characters. You see that some of them have dealt with abuse. Some of them have dealt Mm -hmm. with, you know, real internal hatred or some Mm -hmm. of them are dealing with, um, you know, some compulsiveness and mm-hmm. I, really when they're talking to her about you know she's sitting there and they're like well what about your promiscuity she's like well when has that been a word used for men exactly like, I'm, I'm promiscuous because mm-hmm. i hung out with my boyfriend and then i kissed an orderly like that makes me promiscuous yeah. Yeah. It, these things are just really important for people to see because how many women were thrown into these mental facilities because they disagreed with their husbands <sighs> Or their their family, and they weren't doing what society wanted them to do. I mean, so that they're was crazy. Le- that was a legit practice going back, like way, way, way back. The history of throwing women into psychiatric hospitals just because they mm-hmm. stood up to their husbands, or they mm-hmm. were a little bit different. I well, mean, especially and- gay women too, exactly. like just being thrown in conversion therapy. Mental. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go on with that, and it, and then you you see these things, and you're like, well, they are crazy. They're acting the same. I, okay, you look at the medications. If you give mm-hmm. an antipsychotic, if you give a person who's not psychotic an antipsychotic, they're going to be psychotic. Just really that whole manipulation of the system, making mm-hmm. it work for certain people, right, is really yes. portrayed well in this movie. I feel I like. think so too. And I think so too. Now, Lisa's character, yes, she is a sociopath. <laughs> yes, she is. But there's other characters you're like, why are they in there? Why are you Why are you in here? I think, like, with Lisa's character, one maybe one flaw of the story or of the movie, I don't know if this is a flaw or not, but Lisa just remains a complete mystery because we don't really know mm-hmm. her past and where she comes mm-hmm. from. Like, we have zero history. Well, about her character. That's what I was, I, I, as I was watching, I was taking some notes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said she's a very complicated character because she's so smart, street smart and book smart. Mm-hmm. But she knows how to manipulate people to make them hear her. And I feel like mm-hmm. she puts on a front because she's defensive. And it probably is a trauma response it of is. some sort. We yeah. don't know what that trauma is. We don't. But we, it must have know. been bad. 
You it know? had to be. I feel like the only history that we get was the comment made by Whoopi's character to Susanna um, toward the end of the movie when they, when it's pretty an emotional scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Whoopi's character, I think Nurse Valerie tells her, you know, Lisa's been here for eight years. Uh-huh. Um, she's been here for eight years. Don't yeah. drop, drop anchor here. Right. Um, you and don't want to be here with Lisa for eight years. Yes. And that's You're the only this. history. That's that's the only yeah. history that we get about her. And we so, see that she's, you know, she's wild. She goes out. Mm-hmm. She she can manipulate anybody into doing what she wants. But she's obviously, when she comes back in, you can see how defeated she is, and that she needs to be there every time she comes back in. She has that. She's she's not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just not there at all. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, Angelina Jolie just played the heck out of it, and she, she just did a great job. I mean, she hadn't done much at this point. Um, Gia was a movie that she did, which so also good. was um, one of my like so most important good. movies. Is Gia, and then she did Girl Interrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, she did another movie called Foxfire, which is like a cult classic. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to go watch too. That's another like female fronted, like female empowerment movie she fell in love with one of her cast members who was a female on that movie and she openly talked about it which was unheard of pretty much at the time unheard of at the time um so she oh and angelina won the oscar by the way for best supporting actress for this Mm -hmm. movie and this was the mm-hmm. year that she kissed her brother, going yes, up to weird. accept the award. <laughs> Everybody was like, what? This yeah. is weird. Um, but I, I, at the time, I think Winona kind of got, I think she got snubbed. I think she should have been nominated. I think nominated. she absolutely got snubbed for um, the amount of work she put into this. Yes. It was, again, her passion project. and. She, I think she's gotten snubbed a lot personally. I think she's she has one too. of my favorite actresses, and she every role she takes on, she's got a humanity about her, and she's mm-hmm. very down to earth mm-hmm. and relatable. And you, yep. it doesn't matter what she's doing, whether it's Stranger Things or mm-hmm. or Little Women or this. She just you feel her role and her character, and I feel like that was a big snub to her because it she was. did such a good job in this. James Mangold, the director, there's a little behind the scenes on the DVD because I do have the DVD. Oh, DVD. <laughs> there's a little HBO like making of mm-hmm. on the DVD. And James Mangold just talked about how Winona is just one of the greatest actresses that can. He said, he said something about, I think Winona could have been a silent movie star mm-hmm. because she says so much with her face. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to say anything. She can just express it with those eyes. She's she kind has. of like Jodie Foster in that way. She can yes. really just take control of a scene, and you watch. You have to watch what she's doing because she mm-hmm. does so much with her expression. She does, she's and got she's that face. so she's- talented naturally, just naturally yeah. talented. And I'm so happy. I was never so happy that she had a comeback. Mm. with stranger things like she's back and she's, she's working just, she's working she's done i watched this movie on hulu i love to watch these little horror movies that are just straight mm-hmm. to hulu and she did one with um Domat mulroney ah. recently mm-hmm. and it was oh i gotta remember the name of it but she plays you know this woman who 
has a plant shop and she meets this it, it's a it's a horror movie mm-hmm. she's so good she's just <laughs> so good and it's just like this it's this little you know you can tell it's an indie film but everything mm-hmm. she does is so she puts her whole self into that and she does she did make mistakes you know she shoplifted <sighs> For whatever reason. Don't even get me started. Again, on with the mental health thing. issues. Yes. But she's still so but phenomenal. How many men <laughs> that are in the public <laughs> in the public view uh-huh. do things that are despicable, yes. unforgivable? And I mean sometimes it sometimes it makes them more popular. And it, it propels these yes. men in their career. Hugh Grant like, in the 90s. No. He got busted <laughs> he with a prostitute. He had Elizabeth Hurley. He yeah. had Elizabeth Hurley as his girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> and he goes and hangs out with a with a sex Impressed. worker. I'm sorry. Yes. No. Like, and it made him popu- more it made popular. It more popular. Do you remember Charlie Sheen it, abusing his wife and his anger problems? Yes. He got a TV show so, called yes. Anger Management out yes. of all of that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Winona shoplifts one time. Okay, I'm not. I'm not defending her shoplifting. No, she shouldn't. She has been open about. Yeah, she's been open about what happened. And exactly, she can only apologize so much. Her career ended. Mm -hmm. She came back with Stranger Things, and that was like pretty soon after Girl Interrupted happened. That this whole shoplifting thing happened. Mm -hmm. Like, come Mm -hmm. on now. Come on. It's, yeah. Anyway. Oh, my God. You got me on that little rant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, actually, she's, I think I got myself on that rant. But she's so good. She – and who knows why she – like, she gave yeah. reasons. She apologized. That mm-hmm. is her thing. You know, yes. we we could talk about Brittany. We could talk about all sorts of people who have done things under the insurmountable pressure of yes the public. Because let's not also forget that Winona was, like, the biggest deal – Starting mm-hmm. in the '80s, and she was Absolutely. the different, the different girl. She, she was, was the non-traditional the girl. First of all, in in Beetlejuice, she was. When I saw her in Beetlejuice, I was like, mm-hmm. I could actually be an actress because she is weird, mm-hmm. yeah. and she's accepted, and everybody loves her. In this, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. weird. Surely, I could do something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she just and she. You look at every role. She's the Heather's, you know, um, mm-hmm. little woman. Like I mentioned, that was a big favorite of mine. mine it, it too. Just, she just is so. Which, by like, the way, versatile. She was. She uh, was also very instrumental in getting little women made. Little women made, but also mm-hmm. she insisted on having it be a female director, and she got a female director to direct that movie in the nineties too. Big. This woman is a ahead of her time, and she mm-hmm. should be appreciated for it. Mm-hmm. And I feel I, I just like justice for Winona, and I'm just so happy that she's back and she's working. And oh, well, she's doing a great job. She is. She's the I, little I, icon. She's my little yeah. icon on Netflix. Like uh, I heard Stranger yes. Things. I'm like, oh, Winona, I love you, Winona. I I was so happy that just to see her back like on my oh, screen yeah. in Stranger Things and for it to be set in the 80s um absolutely you know with Sean Astin too I mean yeah I know Sean come Aston. on just so good just so good 
Oh my god! Sorry, I'll stop getting you. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some questions. Okay. So, did you see this one in the theater? This was '99. Did. Yes, I did, and I remember seeing it, and it was a pretty packed house. Um, Again, I say this movie does not get made today, and it does not have a sold-out audience on opening weekend today. Mm -mm. But it did in the 90s because the 90s were a great era for women in the movies. Agreed. Agreed. What, What was your most impactful scene? Oh, most or top scene. scene. My top scene. I really like toward the end of the movie when she has come back from being mm-hmm. um, on the road with Lisa. And she comes mm-hmm. back and the women just kind of accept her and open up their arms to her. And you get those relationships back, and they don't judge her for it. Right. And um, you start seeing the recovery. But that was very impactful to to me. And then I loved also toward in, in the middle of the movie when everybody's getting along. It seems very happy. It seems mm-hmm. they're getting along. The women are getting along. And Lisa comes to get her from her room, and they go down, and they break down they break into mm-hmm. the basement and they the have bowling the, alley. they're bowling they're bowling and you have like so that Aretha fun. Franklin song uh-huh. in the background like the night time is the the right mm-hmm. time yes with that song and they're bowling and they're happy and then they break into the the psychiatrist the doctor's office and they start reading each other's charts um and give passing each other their charts and just explaining like all their diagnosis exactly um, it's just crazy. And I love how Lisa's handing them out like she's the teacher. She's like, okay, here's yes. yours. Here's yours. Mm-hmm. And then they just have a little read aloud of they what do. their issues are. And and they read it. Like Susanna goes into like what the doctor says about her. And you have Lisa's character like, well, that's everybody. Like mm-hmm. that's everybody. Right. You know? You're not that different. Yeah. You're not different from us. That's everybody. You're not different from everybody else outside. In mm-hmm. the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love that whole segment of the movie. I think it's it's very important part of it to drive the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Because you see what they make of their own and, and what they make of each other's mm-hmm. diagnoses. And you're like, okay, they're starting to come to terms with this a little bit. And, yes. and I, I think it was important, too, that they were keeping the diagnosis from each patient mm-hmm. because it wouldn't help their recovery. And I, right. I don't agree with that. I feel like no. you have to know what you have. You have to yes. know what's going on. And mm-hmm. that is just a big sign of the times with it. it was. I can't talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. This is not going to help your recovery. Well, it's my issue. So tell me. Yeah. There's like a scene too with the doctor and Susanna's parents and yes. Susanna. And the doctor doesn't even want to tell Exactly. Her tell her parents what she has and tell mm-hmm. even Susanna what she has. And it just kind of gets it slips out by accident. Um that wouldn't he fly even, today. No. You you can't treat people like that. No. And you just you need a open and honest conversation with your doctor about what you have and what's your recovery plans and your treatment plans and 
yeah, and that's a big change from the mental health systems mm-hmm. then versus now. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I mean, we've made a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to be made, but we've made a whole lot of progress. And just being able to talk about mental illness as a society and saying, yeah, I have mental issues without people mm-hmm. being like, oh, you need to bring on a crazy mm, yeah. person. It's it, because it is such a broad term and mm-hmm. really identifying with what that comes with and and, and trauma and, and all mm-hmm. of that. I, I feel like that was portrayed so well in this movie. Yes, it was. And um, very quickly, another scene that I love is when they go out for ice cream. In the ice cream parlor. I was going to say that one because it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And you see that Susanna is the the guy that he had an affair with. The wife and the daughter mm-hmm. are there at the mm-hmm. ice cream parlor. And she just does and not want to And she's just trying seen. to not, not be seen. She doesn't want to see him. But see, Lisa like was kind of a badass in this scene. Exactly. she pretty much tells that lady off. There was a line that I had not, like I had, I just don't know if I ever heard it, but after the scene where Lisa tells the, like, back off lady, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, like, start yelling at crazy people. Don't and, mess with know, crazy people. Don't mess with crazy people. <laughs> like, back off, pretty thought. much. <laughs> yep. And the line just cracked me up, then I heard it. She, Angelina, Lisa says very quickly, like, you shared a man with that woman. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And I think it's important to see that the wife gets mad at her Mm -hmm. when she was obviously a kid. And you're going to sit and and get mad at her and you're not going to get mad at your husband for cheating on you with someone when obviously she was a kid at the time. Whether she agreed to it or was into it or not, she didn't have a fully functioning brain. So you can be mad, but be Mm -hmm. mad at the person you should be mad at, not the girl who's obviously going through some stuff and is with with people yes. from a mental facility. Yes. Like, g- know your place. Know mm-hmm. your place. Yeah. I think and that Lisa was pretty much. I, I, that was, I think that was off. very necessary in such a good mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Such a good scene. I love it. What, what about this movie made, did you identify with? Well, so 1999, Andra um, wasn't fully aware of at the time that I, I, right now, you know, I, I can share this, but I suffer from depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, was I aware of it at the time? No, I was right. not aware of it right. at the time. I was pretty much left to my own devices on mm-hmm. what the heck is going on with my mind and why, my brain. Why are you sad? Why are you sad all the yeah, time? You have nothing to be sad? sad about. Are you anxious about this stuff? Mm-hmm. And this movie spoke to me on that level. Like, I have I had never watched a movie where they talked about mental health issues with teenage girls mm-hmm. or young women. And that it might be okay. And that you can. Right. It might be okay. There's avenues and there's mm-hmm. other people out there like you. I, you know, I, I suffered with major anxiety my whole life mm-hmm. and in yep. depression as well. And mm-hmm. this movie just it really kind of had that same impact of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not crazy. And that's no. such an overused term for mental health mm-hmm. issues. Yes. And just really seeing someone like Susanna Kaysen, mm-hmm. who was struggling with her life 
for different yeah. reasons. And, and when they looked at her and they're like, what, you look like an abort entitled spoiled little girl. You know, she yeah. was in, in some points, mm -hmm. but she also had some issues that she was trying to deal with. And she I did. feel like that was really important to see represented. I think it's so important to see like the quote unquote normal looking person mm -hmm. that has it all, but mm -hmm. they can, and they can also struggle with mental health, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but even just showing like the transitional time in her life, mm -hmm. uh, not knowing what she wants to do and having making choices that weren't good for her and just having something relatable to, to right. see. That self-sabotage yeah. aspect. Mm -hmm. The in When I was that age, I was 17, I was going into college. I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. I want to be an do. interior designer, but I don't want to yeah. do math to make that happen. <laughs> yes. So I don't know. It's like mm -hmm. just kind of that lost mm -hmm. sense of self was really yes. good to showcase, I feel like. It was. It was. And then also just to see an ensemble of other women that mm -hmm. were in there too and that you could identify with, you could relate to, and mm -hmm. that they could all get along. For the most part, you had Lisa. Well, and you see the, the things. But mm -hmm. I, I really like Whoopi's character, you know, especially when she does take Winona and she dunks her in the bathtub. Yes. It, there's parts I'm like, I needed that. I needed yeah. that person mm -hmm. to kind of dunk me and be like, hey, this is this is your choice. You choose yeah. to get better. You choose to stay here. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. that was really good. The movie just makes it a point to to drive that home. I think, and mm -hmm. like this is, you know, it's ultimately your recovery. You mm -hmm. can stay here if you want to. Right. You, it's your recovery. You you decide if you want to stay here mm -hmm. and be Lisa, and mm -hmm. sneak out every other night. Or if you want to stay here for these months and get better and then you can leave forever. Mm -hmm. Like that was very impactful, I think. It was. What what do you think do you think this movie aged well? I do. You know, I so I know for a fact I have a teenage niece. Mm -hmm. This is on Dana's side. Teenage niece who has discovered this memoir mm -hmm. and this movie pre me. Like I didn't like Right. Say, girl interrupted, you need to check it out. She, when she was here last time, she saw my DVD collection and she goes, oh, girl interrupted, whatever, mm -hmm. this is my favorite movie. And I was like, what? What? Um, so I, I've been thinking about this a lot and I, I asked her what she identified, like, why is this mm -hmm. 2023 teenager right now that can identify? And she simply expressed that she feels different. Mm -hmm. She feels different in this world. 2023 teenagers have a much better handle on mental health issues than we ever did. They do. In they were ex they're exposed to it and they're, yes. they're taught that it's okay to be accepted with yes. these mental health issues. Yes. And so she just identifies with this movie. And mm -hmm. she even said, Winona Ryder is my favorite actress. And she is a teenage girl. Mm -hmm. that has discovered this. And she said all her friends have discovered this too. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I think it's good. I think it's, I think really it's good. good. Because I think it's they're good talking it about get a conversation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It gets the conversation going. And if you don't get the conversation going, you don't find out anything. We, our age group, we were at this time 
left to our own devices and and, and I'm not blaming anybody, but this no, was the there's time. no blame. I think it's there's just no the way everything was structured. It was a stigma attached mm-hmm. to mental health issues mm-hmm. in the 90s. It just was. Mm-hmm. And if you felt different, if you felt off, if you felt sad, if you felt anxiety, we were not, we didn't have a safe space to talk about it. And this movie came along and created mm-hmm. this um, safe conversation. Space to, a conversation yeah. about it and a safe space to just identify and talk about it. Exactly. And this this memoir and this movie did it. I think it was very, very powerful. And I, I agree. Our kids today are very much more accepting. They're much mm-hmm. more knowledgeable about what is going on. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of that is has come out of people like us who we didn't have that outlet. We didn't really know what to do and really kind of figuring that out along the way and saying, Hey, our kids don't need to have the same experience. And that's not blaming anybody. That's not blaming our families. That's not blaming our parents. Mm -hmm. That's just saying that's the way our society was structured. And just, you know, looking back, seeing different things, it's like, yeah, I probably should have for different Mm -hmm. reasons. But Mm -hmm. you also, even if you were encouraged to go to these things, there was just the heavy stigma attached to Mm -hmm. it. And you didn't want people to know you were going. You didn't want people to know that what was going on behind closed doors and Mm -hmm. just really understanding that there are other people that Mm -hmm. can relate to this is huge. Just back to that whole representation thing. (laughs) You see it, you're going to feel okay with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big part of it. I think so too. And I just applaud uh, Winona Ryder for working so hard to get this because I think she knew that this would resonate. And I'm not quite sure if she knows that this story is just still resonates in 2023 with young girls, especially. It does. It does. Winona, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening. She's a subscriber I'm sure she by is. now. I mean, I mean, come on. Absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't come you Come on, be? Winona. Listen to us. <laughs> we love you. We love you. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> A lot. And I yes. love Angelina Angelina Jolie also just it I think it was okay, after this I'm gonna shut up. But okay, no. you had Angelina Jolie who was openly talking about being bisexual. And so I have this quick story. So yeah. around this time period, remember Hastings? Yes. Okay. I Hastings I snuck many heaven. movies from like I rented them, but I like snuck yes. them. They were movies I probably wasn't supposed to be watching, but I was like Yes. I, it's a foreign film. I got to mm-hmm. figure out what is going on. Yeah. Well, I, also I Hastings had magazines and books and whatnot. And I was a big entertainment weekly reader. Mm-hmm. It was. So on Sundays after church, right, after being, you know, indoctrinated at church, mm-hmm. I would go to Hastings in the afternoon. And I grabbed my entertainment weekly for the week and Angelina Jolie. It was the Oscar edition for this movie. So I opened it up and there's Angelina's beautiful, different, lovely face that just like captured me from the, that second. I was like, oh my gosh, Angelina. And then in this magazine article, she talks about um, her relationship sh- that she had with the woman, how like she felt and how she just fell in love with her. And I had never like, up until that point, I'd never had anybody like put that into words. I didn't mm-hmm. have language right. to to even identify how I was feeling at this time. Mm-hmm. And I read that article and that changed. I mean, it was just like 
It's kind of like a light bulb moment, an aha moment. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so Angelina in Girl Interrupted went on a writer in Girl Interrupted, Clea Duvall, all these ladies. This movie was everything to me. Well, it's just, it's a very, very great pick. And I won't say that it's an uplifting movie, but there are definitely (laughs) parts in it where you just, you find yourself laughing because you're like, (laughs) I get that. But it's, it's still so, it's such a a powerhouse film. So you should definitely see it. And I think it ends on a hopeful note after some heavy stuff. Um, Again, this movie, if you're going to watch it, it, just trigger warning. There's a lot of heavy stuff in it, mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. there is some very there's some great moments of levity. It's hopeful. I think it's a yeah. hopeful movie. It is hopeful. It doesn't on a hopeful note. Mm-hmm. You know, she leaves and she's like, "Well, my diagnosis is officially a record re- recovered borderline," which we know that's not really a thing. But right. she gets out and she yep. she really is working toward her recovery with what that means to her. And I think that's yeah really powerful in that moment there's a there's a line at the end of the movie that she says i think she says something like crazy is being broken or it's just you and me amplified yeah i love it because yeah you you can call anybody crazy but it Mm -hmm. it's really in the eye of the beholder um Mm -hmm. what is normal what is crazy you don't Mm -hmm. really know and yeah, with everything that people go through, it's just it's so good to see that that represented. I feel like, yep, agreed. So, really quickly, what did you yep. think of? And we we kind of talk about this. What was your thought of my pick this week, Melinda? Shelley, I mean, like I said, and I this is kind of we already movie. talked about this, but <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I could have picked this movie too. I mm-hmm. love it. I think. Um, we had made this comment before that Moulin Rouge is in our DNA. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's one of these movies that just lives inside of us. It does. It does. Moulin Rouge is rent-free in my brain. Always. (laughs) I can automatically sing the song. I can tell you the line that comes after the song. It's so good. Just it's so amazing. Good. And I, rewatching it again, I appreciate this movie so much because mm-hmm. I miss movies like this. Mm-hmm. And I like Elvis was good; it was fine, but it's no Moulin Rouge. Like, well, Moulin Rouge was such a production. I, and same it with was. Romeo and Juliet. I just mm-hmm. a stage production. You could have gone into yep. a theater and watched it and been just as blown away. It it looks gorgeous. It is a too. I, I'm going to stress this probably in every podcast that we do that movies look like crap these days. And when you go <laughs> back and you all watch movies, but not all of a them, a lot of them don't look the same because you don't, don't have the practical effects. No. When you, you watch Moulin Rouge, effects, and you're it's different. Like, God, this movie looks so beautiful. It's it's a gorgeous movie. It gorgeous. Is. What did you think of Girl Interrupted, Shelley? Well, it's. Definitely iconic and mm-hmm. just such a – it was so needed mm-hmm. and it's still needed. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it was just a very strong, powerful movie for those who had had any kind of brush with mental health 
experiences of any kind, mm-hmm. be it with a relative, be it with yourself, yeah. be it with, mm-hmm. with anybody. And just really seeing that, you know, they, if you're, if you're talking about a mental facility, it's not a nut house. It's not, that's not what no, it is. There not. are people and each people, each people, each person has a story <laughs> and it's very important. You can to- find that those are more relatable than you would like, but mm-hmm. they're, they're there. Yes. Um, and the cast is, is not, unbelievable. The cast is just stacked. And mental it's health is cast. not, it's not a stigma. It's it shouldn't not. be stigma. You should it's not. seek treatment. You should It's get another branch of the healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, facility. Like it's just exactly. part of it. And, yes. you know, we, we need to have more films like this that showcase that and really allow for more mm-hmm. inclusivity. Mm-hmm. with with mental yes. health agreed there's no other film like it and i don't think there has been another one like it and i know people compare it to one flew over the cuckoo's nest but mm-hmm. that was very gendered well and that was a male, very different movie very different, different book <laughs> and a different book, book too. different yeah. movie so. and nurse ratchet is something else man something yeah. else Yes. So and that yes. Yeah. also very accurate for the time, mm-hmm. but yep. very different movie, different role. Yep. So agreed. Oh my gosh, Shelly, we're at the two hour mark. We are at the two hour mark. So we're gonna wrap this up. I wanna know what you are watching next week. Okay, it's a tough decision, but I have decided about I'm going to talk about the original scream. The original scream with Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell and Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich and Skeet Ulrich oh and Rose McGowan. Oh, there's so many big names in this one. Yes, and I feel like this and was Courtney a movie. Cox, Courtney Cox, yeah, David and David Arquette. You, you, when you think of like meta, I think of this movie. It, it was Screams one of those first that was like, we're going to poke fun at Hollywood by showing you a movie about Hollywood. It, it was so <laughs> good. So yeah. good. And if you are in any way a a scary movie fanatic, mm-hmm. this movie is so good because it just lays out the plot points. If you haven't watched the original Scream, go watch please it. Please watch it. It's the so new good. ones are good, but they're good. There won't ever be an original Scream. Well, and I feel like if you watch the new ones, you have to watch the original so you know where have it's to. coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to know. You do. Shelly, what are you doing next week? I'm also going to do a scary movie. Ooh. Um, this movie I watched all the time when I was a kid. I was big into Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Psycho. So I'm going to watch Psycho. Oh, Psycho. And this movie is is big for a lot of different reasons. And it was I one mean, of my favorite go-tos. You know, if you just want a good old good old horror movie and some weird twisted twisted crap in between <laughs> psycho's the one for you and i'm talking about the original psycho not original the vince vaughn remake right i love vince vaughn but don't mm, remake psycho no i mean talking about men and drag too i mean that yes. was a big storyline in psycho it was and a very big storyline I just don't think you you don't get scream if you don't have psycho you don't get scream if you don't have Psycho, you don't Mm-mm. you don't get a lot of movies. If you don't have Psycho, Mm-mm. you don't get Silence of the Lambs. Nope. Um, you don't get you, you know. There's just Hitchcock was was a real uh, trailblazer pioneer. 
mm-hmm. with these kind of uh, psychological horror yes. movies. That's and right. this is one of my favorites. So I It holds wait. up. It's great. It holds up. Yeah. It's old. It's in it black and up. white. Mm-hmm. No, it's not scary. Jump out at you scary. But it is scary in a different way. And it's just a classic. It is a it's classic. So good. so good. Absolutely. All right, Shelly. I guess we should go. I guess we should wrap this up. We could go we on should. for hours. But I we think should. two is probably enough for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in again. Thank you. Yes, we appreciate it. And if you if you really want to catch everything, if you want to send us some feedback, email, whatever, you can um, reach us at whatshewatchingpod.com. You can yep. also email us at whatshewatchingpod at gmail.com. And check us out on Instagram at whatshewatchingpod. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Instagram. Yes, please. please. Okay. All right, Andrea. All right, Shelly. Have well, a good week. to you. You have cheers. a good week. Ching, 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 ching. We will see y'all next week. All right. Bye. bye.